isn't that interesting that when when we're talking about this, we still revert back to uh, this man-centeredness? That, well, then if we have faith, then can we? Well, yes, then you can please God, but not because, you know, you've been empowered to do so. It's because of the righteousness of, of Christ has been clothed on you. That's what's pleasing to him, that you've been bestowed the, the righteousness of Christ. The, the person that lived the perfect life, his account is accredited to yours. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline here with everyone's favorite radio host, Pastor Brian Wolfenberg. <laughs> Hello. Hey, listening to the radio this morning. It's been frigid in Indiana lately. Uh, as we record, we're, okay, we're recording today on January the seventeenth, and um, let's see, a couple of days ago at night it was the wind chill is negative thirty seven. Yee. And uh, I was listening to the radio this morning, and some kid licked a metal pole. <laughs> oh man. He became very intimate with that pole. <laughs> did the did the seminary uh, did the seminary security have to yeah, go out yeah. and rescue you or what? Okay, it was me. No, <laughs> no, they, whoever it was, they called the police. But by the time the police got there, some kids already yanked his tongue off of the pole, and his tongue was bleeding. Oh sure, yeah. I thought that's what we always used to do when we go when we'd go skiing, and you're sitting there on the chairlift, and you say, "Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, look, these Frost. poles taste like popsicles." <laughs> mm. I thought, you know, when they yanked off the tongue, I thought it stretched like on that movie Dumb and Dumber. Have you seen that? <laughs> <laughs> that's a subtitle of our show, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, Frost. All right. Um, what do we got going on today? We're gonna do. Oh, we we are we have a new table talk radio commitment to our listeners. Um, oh, good. Because what we used to do is uh, when we would get emails or phone calls or something like that, we would just kind of throw them in this barrel and wait for it to to fill up before we would uh, do a segment on it. Well, the, the problem is that um, people don't love us enough to um, you know that it, it comes around like once a year. Is so we decided we're going to start um, hitting these at the beginning of the show, which right off the bat. Uh, to try and uh, get through these quicker, and then um, we'll hopefully respond to our listeners uh, in a more timely fashion. And by more timely, our, our five or six listeners. We know uh, we got a, one more email this week, right? So we know who the other one is. Now, so <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've got you we've all. Got you all yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've got this. We've got this map of the world, and we have four pins. All. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna do uh, do that uh, first, and then we're playing as law and or gospel next. Yeah, I think so. And then which no, twenty questions by twenty questions. You mean ten questions? Right, that's right. This is a new game that uh, we've got that I think is going to be a real failure. But uh, <laughs> it has all the marks of a good game by my standards. Uh, the marks being requires no show prep. <laughs> yeah. We'll Don't tell anyone that though. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um and then we'll... that's why I said it on the air, then no one'll know. 
<laughs> and then we are playing Witch Century, which I'm excited. I have a theme for mine, and my uh, theme is um, uh, different. I'm not a word. Uh, beginning of new denominations. Oh, good. So, yeah, that sounds exciting. Riveting. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to know about that? All right. I'm so let's stay tuned for that. Let's get going with uh, some of these uh, <laughs> listener responses. And the first one we have is, is Frank, who uh, called in uh, and told us this. Yeah, my name's Frank Marin. I'm calling from Las Vegas, Nevada. My understanding is if I phone this number, I'll get 1,000 table talk points, uh, unless I, I misunderstood uh, one of your recent shows. And that's the reason I'm calling. Thank you very much for your ministry. I really enjoy it and appreciate it. And I would like you to consider the fact that when I attended as a guest a recent United Reformed Church, they had not only the Holy Bible in their church pews, but they had their Reformed Confessions, and they referred to them, both the Bible and the Confessions, during the course of many of the sermons I've listened to. And I think that's really admirable, and in view of the fact that the Lutheran Confessions are what I consider to be a, a, a very accurate summarization of biblical truths, I would think that all Lutheran churches, in particular LCMS churches, uh, could follow suit, and so the laity would be more appreciative of their heritage in the Lutheran faith. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Frank, uh, in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Did you send him the, the thousand points? No, you were supposed to. No, no I will, actually. I, you know, uh, what I wonder about is if, you know, when people win the lottery, they just kind of go crazy. They don't know what to do with all this money because they didn't earn it. They just got it for free. And I wonder if that's going to happen when we start sending people these thousands of points. Yeah, I, I think so. I, <laughs> oh, uh, what do you think? So of Frank makes the point that uh, we should have the confessions in in our in our uh, next to our hymnals and our Bibles in our churches. Yeah, what, what do you think about I think that? That'd be fine. I, I couldn't be opposed to that in any way. Um, it might be hard to get that to um, instituted. Do you think? Well, you were telling me that the, they have a pocket sized book of Concord. Yeah, there? that's brand new. I just walked by the bookstore the other day, and and uh, you know, this, um, again, as we record, next week is Symposia Week at the seminary where we have a bunch of papers presented and it's kind of a campus event and so the, the bookstores get ready for that accordingly but anyway they, they have this released uh new pocket edition of the uh, book of concourse so is it a paperback yeah paperback yeah that see that might be uh that might be an idea now we have a handful of um books of concords uh in our uh, bible classroom and we have a bible study on the uh, confessions on wednesday nights That's great. i think this is important you know we the, the confessions have been neglected for a long time in our church, uh, and we I think we need to do everything we can to bring them back. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's even some resources on the website for uh, downloading excerpts from the confessions that match up with the readings for the church here. Uh, and those are, uh, any pastors listening, uh, th- that might be uh, something good to find. A Lutheran sermon website somewhere, and uh, Pastor Doug May from uh, New Mexico put, puts those together. And those are nice to use as well. So, So there's a number of resources out there to to get our confessions um, in people's ears, and so they can rejoice in in our Lutheran uh, in our Lutheran teaching. I spent the first uh, eighteen nineteen years of my life in the uh, ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, 
And I didn't even hear of the Book of Concord. Never even know what it was until I went to the Missouri Synod. Yeah, my dad told me a similar story that he uh, uh, he spent his whole life in the ELCA and never heard of the Book of Concord uh, until they joined the Missouri Synod seven, eight years ago or something like that. So that's true all across the board. But even, I think, in the Missouri Synod, this isn't um, as, as popular or widespread as it ought to be. Yeah, that's too bad. Well, uh, thank you. And if you would like to call into our, our um, <clears throat> voice message system and so we can talk about you on the air, uh, the number is 866-851-5523. And uh, there might be some points on the line if you do that. So, Another way you can get a hold of us is go to our website, tabletalkradio.org, and click the forum button. And that's where we have a pretty good conversation going that um, I'm going to let Pastor Wolfmiller talk about this. We had a uh, someone call in and, and ask about the marks of the church. What are the marks of the church? And um, and then we had a follow up question. And uh, I asked, you know, Pastor, what do you what do you want to say about this? He said, Oh, let's just talk about it on the air. <laughs> so, uh, Pastor Wolf Miller, talk about what are the marks of the church? Well, the you, the, the church is nothing more than than the Lord's Christians, um, those believers in Jesus. Luther says, I think this is the most marvelous definition of the church, when Luther says uh, even a six- or seven-year-old child, how old is the child, knows what the church is, that is, holy believers and lambs who hear the voice of their good shepherd. So so the church really has these things. It has uh, the good shepherd, that's Jesus. It has his voice, that is the word of God, and it has faith to believe it. So wherever you have Jesus speaking and people believing, there, there you have the church. Um, the, the Lutheran confessions then will say that there's two marks of the church, the gospel rightly preached and the sacraments rightly administered, precisely because those are the two things that the Lord uses to give and create faith. So, uh, so we talk about these two marks of the church, wherever the gospel is and wherever uh, the, the sacraments are, which is, is nothing more than the gospel um, the gospel manifest. Uh, now, there was something else, though, to this question. I can't remember. Well, I got it uh, for you. Don't worry. Okay. Um, the follow-up question, which uh, we wanted to talk about here, um, was posted from FM483. It says, The above discussion with references to the Lutheran confessions would therefore dictate that all other sects of Christianity apart from Lutheranism are not technically part of the Christian church. Is this... Uh, correct. Even the ELCA and other Lutheran sects, which have confused law and gospel and the clear proclamation of the word, are technically not part of the same Christian church anymore. Is this correct? Uh, well, first of all, um, we want to differentiate between um, Christians and Christian churches, so that uh, while we're talking about churches and their different confessions and things like this, uh, if we were to say something like they're no, they're they're not Christian or they're they're partially Christian. In as far as they have the gospel there, they are Christian. But in as far as they've mixed that doctrine with, uh, with human doctrine and human teaching, they've, they've ceased to be Christian. They, uh, that doesn't mean that there aren't Christians in these churches. So there's a big difference. Uh, but w- where the gospel isn't preached and the sacraments aren't rightly administered, there you don't have you don't have the church. Um, so I don't know how I really. This is a, I think, a kind of a tough question. How, how far do we go in recognizing or not recognizing other, other ecclesiastical organizations as church or as not church? Um, maybe better than asking that question is simply to ask the question: uh, Is the gospel 
confessed by this church, by its confessions and by its pastors and people, or is the gospel denied or confused or muddled uh, by the confessions and the pastors and the people? And when we can ask that question, then uh, now we're doing better because what the Lord gives each of us to do for our families is to is to hear his word in its purity and truth, and that's what we want to do. All right, and that's going to take us to the end of the first segment of Table Talk Radio. Uh, you can join this conversation by calling us 866-851-5523, or you can log on to our website and uh, chat with us on the forum, tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back. Uh, what are we playing after this? I don't have my list in front of me. Uh, law and or Law and or gospel, right after this break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Serious theology. Seriously bad hosts. Did you know you can advertise on Table Talk Radio? Get the word out about your event or conference, or inform them about your product or service. Sponsors of Table Talk Radio are played on all of our affiliates and are permanently placed on our podcast at tabletalkradio.org. For more information, leave a message at 866 866- Eight five one five five two three, or email me Evan at tabletalkradio.org. That's eight six six eight five one five five two three, or Evan at tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Thank you, thank you. That's very generous of you. We were gonna I'm play, glad to be back. Oh man, we're gonna do <laughs> law and or gospel. And during the break, um, you read an email, uh, which you decided would be better than the law gospel questions that you came up with. So right, right. I have a forum <laughs> law and or gospel question. Isn't this great? I will a little forum. We have two or three people that look at it. It's amazing to me. I love it. Two or three listeners. Two or three forum goers. <laughs> we're a hit this is everyone's yeah. everyone's favorite forum by the way everyone's favorite forum for a Lutheran radio game show radio thing <laughs> That's alright right, so you ready law and or gospel points are on the line 200 points per question the The way the game is played we have a text or uh, something or other and we have to answer the question is it law or gospel or both um, and uh yeah, so how do you tell the difference? You oh, you should tell how you tell the difference this time. I've done it a couple times. All right. Well, uh, this is how the rules of the game work. Uh, what we're looking for uh, is if it's law, then this uh, passage or whatever quote or whatever we read uh, would be telling us what, what man is supposed to do, um, God's demands, what he expects of us. And um, what this shows us is our sin. Um, that, that That's the purpose of the law, to show us our sin. If you are, are teaching that, that the uh, the law um, gets you closer to God, then you are not preaching the law properly. The proper teaching of the law is that it shows us our sin, shows us that we're uh, um, damned to hell because we can't keep the law. The gospel then is the opposite of that. The gospel shows us the works of Christ, not the works of man. shows us that uh, God has kept, um, uh, in, in Jesus Christ, has kept all of his commandments perfectly. Um, and, and because of that, that is uh, merited to us for our salvation 
uh, and that is gospel. Now, uh, one thing we haven't talked about in, in describing these rules is what happens when you get the two confused. When, when you preach the law uh, in a way that it, it, it delivers righteousness or, or um, eternal life, then then you are uh, preaching the law uh, falsely. And the, and the other way, if, if you mix uh, the law into the gospel, um, saying that uh, that the gospel, the receiving of, of faith, any of this stuff, is because of your doing, because of your action, then that's also a, a proper, improper teaching of law and gospel. Yeah, when you mix the two, what you lose is the gospel. It's like mixing water and rat poison, and you lose the water. You just have rat poison. Uh, so is anytime you mix law and gospel, what's lost in the mixture is the gospel, which is the problem. Uh, because the gospel in its pureness, in its, in, its, uh, in its extolling the mercy of God and his works over our works and, and over our sin, uh, this is where the benefit of life and salvation comes. Right, and that'll teach you to ever ask me to talk again. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate that. They are first? teaching you something up there <laughs> at that uh, seminary. I'm impressed. Yeah, I'll go first. I'm going to read this from our forum here. Um, let me go to it here. This is from uh, what? How, what do these names come from? M four TTS one M. How do you get a name like that? <laughs> I don't know. I always try to decipher what they mean. Uh, maybe his favorite Bible passage is Matthew four. His initials are TTS. And he has one minute to be on the line. I don't know. <laughs> he says, uh, law and or gospel, Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it's impossible to please him, that is God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And here here's the, comes a question. I had a friend over last night for an evening of board games. Afterwards, I hope they were playing Settlers of Catan. Ugh. Afterwards, we often get into discussion, discussing various passages. Over the past few months, he's been begun to abandon his previously Arminian tendencies, but still it creeps in here and there. Referring to this verse above, Hebrews eleven six, he shared the encouragement it is often brought to him, quote, So long as I am faithfully seeking after God, it's not all in vain. At this point, I cringe and mentions Romans 3, which of course says, No one seeks God. Ultimately, we eventually agree, and no one seeks after God except Christ on our behalf. But we're left wondering, is there some sense in which a believer does or can seek after God? How does one affirm this, with, uh, I think, without landing back in the trap of self-effort? That's a good question. So there you go. I, well, let me first say, can I respond to this first? Um, yeah. I you're, think, it's, you're on the hot seat here. you got 200 points on the line. This question oh, that's is right. for you. That's for me. <laughs> well, uh, so do you want to know law and gospel for Hebrews 11 then? Yes. Okay. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards. Um, I, think, I think this is law. Okay. Tell me why. Because it... It shows us that we cannot please God um, apart from faith. Now, then, this is where the question comes in. But this is it. Uh, um, well, let's see. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and rewards those who seek after Him. Um, but but then the question that he posed on the forum then was, what about a believer? Can, can a believer seek after God? And I think there 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 is a. Um, a sense which the new man can and does seek after God, um, but 
I think maybe the the emphasis to be placed here is it's not man seeking that rewards him anything. It's not what man does, but rather that that God has given him the gift of faith. I think that's where the the gospel is in the giving of faith. Exactly. Yes, I think you're right. I mean, because, you know, logically, you know, when you study without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if there is no faith, then there is no pleasing God. And the logical opposite of that is if there is pleasing God, then there is faith. But I think the scriptural opposite of this text, which is the marvelous gospel, and really it's unbelievable, is that while it's true that without faith it's impossible to please God, with faith it's impossible not to please God. Yes, In other words, by faith we are 100% pleasing to uh, to our Lord Jesus Christ. This is absolutely... I was talking about this in Bible class on Tuesday morning, that, that how by faith we become pleasing to God, we become uh, his delight. And someone said, now, Pastor, it seems like that's almost too hard to believe. Like maybe God can put up with us when we have faith or something like this, but not that he delights in us, that he looks at us and he and he takes great joy in what he sees, but that's exactly what what faith gives us. Yeah, isn't that interesting that when, when we're talking about this, we still revert back to uh, this man-centeredness. That, well, then if we have faith, then can we? Well, yes, then you then you can please God, but not because you know you've been empowered to do so it's because of the righteousness of of christ has been clothed on you that's what's pleasing to him not not that you you've somehow been empowered to do it but that you've been bestowed the the righteousness of christ the the person that lived the perfect life his account is accredited to yours that's right and and even uh, because we, look we're saint and sinner we 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 can't even we don't even know the depth of our own sinfulness and yet and yet we're we're forgiven so that when we get out to do a good work or to love our neighbor, to love God or something, we do it because we're selfish, because we're, we really are caring for ourselves above everyone else. But, but Jesus forgives that and then takes pleasure in it. Uh, in fact, the new man, that Christ, which is Christ in us, the, the spirit that the, we're given in baptism, can't do anything but seek after God constantly uh, and, and look for him and pray to him and call upon him in trouble. Uh, and that and that this is a because by faith a, a perfect sacrifice which God receives on behalf of Jesus. Okay, do you think we should hit more than one question in this game? Oh yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right, got... give me one. <laughs> All right, this is uh, Genesis two sixteen and seventeen, and the mm-hmm. Lord God commanded the man, saying, "From any is that confusing? Did... No, no, I'm with you. Oh, okay. I I thought I heard. Okay, sorry. Uh, Genesis two sixteen and seventeen. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you, sh- you, you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Law and or gospel. This is, uh, this is law, the very first law, I think, um, where the Lord says, Hey, uh, this tree, don't eat that or you'll die. And here the Lord introdu- introduces into his perfect creation the possibility of death, which means sin is there also. Um, this, so this stands as a law to protect uh, Adam and Eve from death uh, that, so that they might have a life. But we know the story. Adam and Eve don't, don't keep the Lord's law uh, and fall uh, by their sin, plunging the entire universe into, into chaos and destruction and death. That's correct. Um, All right. Just a minute left. Should, should, we should probably go to this break. I'm not sure we have enough time to fit this next one in. 
Um, but we'll continue this on the other side of the break. Hey, right. if you need a good way to test out your uh, speakers on your computer, you can go to our website, tabletalkradio.org, <laughs> and uh, try out our podcast, <laughs> see if your speakers are working. And, uh, <laughs> and thanks, a, by the way, to everyone on the for, for M4TT1GX5 <laughs> for the question there. And uh, and you guys can go on the forum, and perhaps you'll become famous when your code name is mentioned on Table Talk Radio. Are people's names that creative on Facebook? No. Good okay. question, though. We'll be, <laughs> we'll be right back. More lie under gospel after this commercial break. Don't go away. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back just after this break from our sponsors. Hi, this is Evan Gigline. We at Table Talk Radio are concerned with the proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of the world. With this includes the expansion of Table Talk Radio. We would like to have Table Talk Radio broadcasted on as many radio stations as possible to proclaim the life and work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all sin. But we need your help. Many radio stations across America allow religious programming in their lineup on a particular day, usually Sunday mornings, providing the programs pay for their airtime. Perhaps a radio station in your area would be willing to play Table Talk Radio, and a local business or church would be willing to help support the costs incurred. If you would like to discuss this possibility in your area, please call our toll-free number 866-851-5523. Leave a message and I will personally return your phone call promptly to discuss this possibility. Thank you for your consideration in expanding Table Talk Radio for the sake of the gospel. Back to Table Talk Radio. We're playing Law and Our Gospel. I think we're standing at 200 apiece. Yes. And uh, let's see. Who went first? You did. So I did. So your turn. I've again. got another one for you. I'm skipping now to my third uh, question instead of doing my second one. How about that? Okay. Uh, here, here it is. Uh, you can have some bonus points if you can identify the source of this, by the way. Okay. I'm going to do a little reading here. Of repentance, they teach that for those who have fallen after baptism, there is... There is remission of sins whenever they are converted, and that the church ought to impart absolution to those thus returning to repentance. Now, repentance consists properly of these two parts. One is contrition, that is, terror, smiting the conscience through the knowledge of sin. The other is faith, which is born of the gospel or the absolution, and believes that for Christ's sake sins are forgiven, comforts a conscience, and delivers it from terrors, then good works are bound to follow, which are the fruits of repentance. Okay, how how specific do I need to be when I identify this source? No, oh, not very specific. I'm okay, this, feeling this, generous. This is in the Book of Concord. <laughs> true. That's true, it is. <laughs> um, this is gospel. I think uh, this this is coming up when the question arises, what, what of those who have fallen away from the faith after baptism and, and what happens to them? Uh, and and of course this this tells us that 
that uh, forgiveness is their absolute holy absolution is is received. And then it talks about what, what you know. One, I think if there's one major theme to Table Talk Radio, I think what you just read is it. We talk about this all the time that that repentance has two parts: first contrition, and then faith. Um, first, that that one would, would would be sorry for his sins, but then also that he would believe um, the promises that the Lord has has given him. That that uh, um, all uh, punishment for sin has been taken upon the cross of Christ, and then. Uh, his forgiveness is bestowed to to us um, purely out of faith. Um, that is pure gospel. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, this is really a beautiful summary of the whole Bible. This teaching of repentance that the first part the, the first part of repentance is sorrow over our sin, and this is something that's created in us by the law. The law, uh, like Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit will come and convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit comes through the Scriptures, through the law, the law preached rightly to kill us. Uh, to to undo any trust we have in ourselves, to, to to bring us to despair of our own goodness and our own good works. That's the first part, and and we're passive in it. It's a work by by God uh, that He does in us. And then the second part, we're also passive. That's the faith, which is created of of the gospel, born of the absolution. It says here, so that when we hear that our sins are forgiven through the blood shed by Jesus on the cross, then we're born again. We're 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 given new life. We're we're raised from the depths of of hell and and uh, the death that we died to ourselves, and now we have life in Christ. And this is our Christian lives. Uh, it's really simply wonderful uh, to know that the Lord is doing these uh, two things. He's He's bringing us sorrow for our sin, but but faith in His Son, uh, and and that's what He's doing in His Word. Now the. The, one of the things that mentioned here in this, this is Article 12, by the way, of the uh, Augsburg Confession. And it, it mentions that uh, good works are the fruit of repentance and will follow, will follow repentance. And that's a key point because you mentioned when you were explaining the rules for law and gospel that uh, one of the things that can happen is that people preach the law to produce good works. This is really the temptation of false teachers, uh, of even maybe of true teachers, the, the temptation of their flesh, to think that good works are the result of the law. But it's not true. Uh, here it says that the result, the proper result of the law is sorrow over sin, and that good works result when we hear the gospel and believe it, when we have faith in the Son of God. So that, and this comes right back to this Hebrews eleven verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If we don't have faith, then there are no such things as good works. So, if you're looking at your own life and you say, "Boy, I'm completely vacuous of good works," or you're a pastor, you're looking at your parish and you say, "Man, there's not a single good work done around here." The solution is not to preach more and more law, uh, as if instructing people will bring them to that. The the solution is to preach the law that kills and the gospel that raises to newness of life. And then the fruits follow. There it is. Okay. You ready for your next one? I gave you 200 points, by the way. Yes, and I'm ready. Okay. This is from Genesis three, twenty-one through 23. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, unless he stretch out his hand and also take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent them out of the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which uh, he was taken. Law and or gospel. 
I'm going to say or uh, on this one. Oh, wait, and, I mean. I'm going to say and. <laughs> like, or? <laughs> uh, That's it, both. I, I think this is both. Well, you see some uh, gospel in there where the Lord. Now, this is incredible, isn't it? Apparently, the first bloodshed in all of the earth was b- by the hand of of the Lord when he takes this animal and kills it and, and fashions clothes for Adam and Eve to cover the shame of their nakedness. We, have we talked about guilt and shame on this show? We should do that sometime. Okay. But anyway, uh, he, the Lord is covering their nakedness. Remember, Adam and Eve had crafted fig leaves to try to hide their shame. Um, but the Lord has something better. It's only by this shed blood that shame is covered. And I think from, from this comes all the sacrifices of the Old Testament, which is the essential preaching of the gospel in the Old Testament, that blood has to be shed to cover sin. Uh, and, of course, all of this pointed to the shed blood of God, uh, which is really the wonderful gift of the cross. But then the Lord kicks him out of the Garden of Eden. And when you see this in art, you really see it, just the kind of despair um, on the face of Adam and Eve as they look back at God pointing them out of the garden and they're, and they're walking away and Adam is sent to tend the earth with the curse uh, of the sweat of his brow to bring forth fruit and and this sort of thing. And and we're in that now. We're, we are still living in that curse where by the sweat of our brow we bring forth uh, food from the ground. Uh, and this will extend until the Lord renews creation in the resurrection uh, and, and gives the new heaven and the new earth. So I think uh, gospel and uh, law as well. But even uh, as we see the, the reason that um, uh, we have revealed to us in Genesis as to why he was, they were kicked out of the garden is so that they wouldn't eat from the tree of life and live forever because God didn't want them to be living forever under the curse. Um, yeah, yeah. He, had, he had redemption uh, planned. Yeah, you're right. The Lord isn't protecting uh, the tree from Adam and Eve, the tree of life from Adam and Eve. He's protecting Adam and Eve from that, uh, from that tree. It, you almost get the picture that if they were to go back and eat it, they would become like the undead, you know, some sort of zombie or something. They would just live forever confirmed in their sins. But when we see the the whole scripture, for example, the book of Revelation ends with this picture that the tree of life is there in the new Jerusalem, and there's fruit from it in every season, and and all the people gathered there are eating from this tree of life. Uh, And so the Lord has in his plan uh, to bring us back to that tree, back to that perfection. Uh, But the plan includes the death of his son Jesus. And so until that happens... Uh, you know, you can't you can't be in the garden. But you have the cherubim there. Protect is that right? The cherubim protecting the way to the tree of life. Uh, they t- serve a kind of twofold purpose. One, they won't let Adam and Eve back in. But two, uh, they're they're there guarding the way so that when the Lord Jesus comes into our flesh and dies for our sins and overcomes death in the grave, then the way can be opened back up for us. All right. Do we need to go into twenty questions then? Oh yeah. I, I think we better. How much time do we have in the segment? <laughs> two, mi- two minutes left in the segment. So, you you better. Ask, oh, I'm asking questions now. Is, is this this is the new game? And the way it works is, uh, you have to ask yes or no questions to determine what something is, person, place, or thing from the Bible or from church history. Is that how it goes? Yes. All right. So now you, t- I'm guessing questions. Okay. Is that right? Yep. So oh. go ahead. Do you have to tell me first if it's a person or a place or a thing? Okay. Shouldn't that be one of your questions? Okay. Person, place, or thing. <laughs> person. One question. Oh. Okay. <laughs> uh, is this person's name 
in Greek or Hebrew? <laughs> Greek. Greek. Okay, so that's the New Testament. Uh, is this person? Um, uh, is this person mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew? Yes. Okay. Is this person Jesus? No. Okay. How many questions have I got so far? You're up to uh, four. Is this person a disciple? Yes. Um, Is this person's name start with a vowel? No. Uh, I think I could probably just start guessing names now. Uh, (laughs) Oh, come on. uh, Okay. uh, Is this person uh, one of the four of Jesus' inner circle of disciples? Yes. So uh, Peter, James, John, and Andrew's out because of his vow. Uh, Did this person write a gospel? No. Uh, Peter, that leaves Peter or James. Um, Was this person the first pope? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to guess then James. No, it's Peter. (laughs) (laughs) That game didn't take nearly as long as I thought it would. You didn't even need 20 questions. Oh, man. You got it in nine. Oh, hey, that's good. Peter. Peter it is. Nice. Now, he has this uh, great confession. You want to talk about this? That um, you are uh, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Um, and then and then Jesus says, um, uh, on this rock, uh, you, um, I will build my church. And then is that then talking about uh, Peter, then the person? No, the it's the rock. This is how Jesus always does it. It's the rock of the, of the rock solid confession of who He is. I mean, the church is not built on man, uh, but on Christ and on His death and resurrection. So when Peter says, "You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God," he's laying the foundation of faith, which the prophets laid before him in their words, and which all the church has now afterwards as well as we join in the confession of Peter, which is a confession given. I mean, how could Jesus make it more clear? This is not from flesh and blood, but given to you by my Father who's in heaven. And let's, so, let's hit pause right there. Whoop. And then we're going to go to a break, and we'll be right back right uh, right there. The uh, play button, go. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> Peter and his. Oh yeah, how do you think Peter received this? Uh, we're talking about Peter's great confession because we just played the game nine questions and and guessed the who of the Bible, Peter. Uh, how how do you think Peter received these words from Jesus? This is not revealed to you, uh, or this is not from flesh and blood, but is given to you by my Father in heaven. Uh, do you think that was a shock to Peter uh, that he thought that he had this great insight, this sort of thing? Uh, but Jesus says, no, to know this and to confess this is only a gift of God the Father in heaven. Uh, well, and with it, with these words, Jesus is saying it can't be Peter that the church is built on, but, but on the on that which is given by the Father. 
the confession of Jesus' name. Well, isn't it funny, too? Um, he, he asked that question, is this person the, the first pope? And uh, which, of course, the, the Roman Catholic Church uh, claims. Um, but isn't it funny how we see, even in the Gospels, the, the um, disciples are arguing over who is better, who's greater than the other? And, and Jesus rebukes that. So why is it that we think that after, um, after Jesus' death and resurrection, that then we can start uh, claiming in a hierarchy of the, of the apostles? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, uh, yeah, it's silly. But look, in, in Matthew 16, it's true that after Peter's great confession, Jesus gives him, Peter alone, the office of the keys. And he probably has the office of the keys by himself for a couple of days until he expands the gift to all of the apostles uh, in Matthew chapter 18. So if you just had Matthew 16, then you could begin to get the idea that Peter was some sort of sole representative of Christ to the world. But here's the strange thing that the Roman Catholic Church does, is they take all of these promises that are given to Peter, uh, and they and they kind of exclude them from the promises given to the disciples, and then they make this move. They say that all the promises given to Peter don't just apply to Peter, but to Peter's predecessors, to the people that follow Peter in the office. That is, all the popes. And you say, well, now, where where did you get that from the Bible? where did you see that Peter was to have predecessors in his office and that the promises would apply to them? Why don't we just say that the promises that Jesus gave to Peter were given to Peter? But the Pope claims uh, infallibility when he speaks ex cathedra. Why? Because Jesus told Peter, uh, I will pray for you, and after you are converted, you will strengthen your brethren. Uh, And this promise, then, doesn't just apply to Peter, but to all the popes. Why? Well, this is a weird sort of thing. I was talking to someone about this, a uh, Catholic, uh, my my uh, a papal friend, and said, "What? Well, why is this in the scriptures? And he says, there's no scripture. It's just the tradition. Uh, there's nothing to back up this claim that the promises given specifically to Peter now apply to this office. So anyhow, it's goofy. There it is. Sola Scriptura. Yeah, that's right. If we And if we depart from the scripture, this is the great... You know, the danger is that we start to make things up to, or make the scriptures say what we want them to say rather than, uh, than them doing what they are meant to do, which is kill us and, and raise us to newness of life. Right. Okay. I'm, I want to start guessing. My, my, is it a person, place, or thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, we're not going to get to which century. Everyone out there, you can start your rejoicing. I'll, I'll get on, and, on question two, and then we'll go to which century. <laughs> Go ahead. (laughs) Okay, Uh, good. Uh, So the first question is person, place, or thing? It, again, uh, is a person, although that's kind of boring. I'm going to change it. Uh, A thing. Okay. Okay. Is this in the Old Testament? Yes. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) Would this be in the Pentateuch? Uh, yes, by Pentateuch you mean the first five books of the Bible, the books right. of Moses. Yep. Okay, so that's three questions. I'm would keeping this be, track here. Would this then be in Genesis? No. Okay, um, <laughs> I could just start going down the line. Is this the next? No. Um, did um, now when you say is Mo- it in the Pentateuch and I say yes, that doesn't mean it's not in the other books, of course. I know that's why I is limiting it down to to Genesis. Oh, I mean, I so I can cross Genesis off the list. I got four more to go. I know, but it could see it could be like in First Samuel also. 
Oh, okay. But I don't think I don't think you did that. <laughs> could be in the Psalms. Did um <laughs> could be in Esther. Um could this be Song of Solomon? Stop it. <laughs> okay. Um what a uh, riveting game this is. Did did Moses <laughs> did, did Moses um deal it's with like these at all? like watching two people wash the floor. <laughs> yes, Moses dealt, dealt with this. Did he break a set of these? <laughs> no. Oh, he dang, I thought I had it nailed. Oh. Um Okay, something Moses dealt with. Um but didn't break. <laughs> So maybe you're talking about the second set. <laughs> um, I don't think you're that tricky, though. Da, da, da. Um, you underestimate my trickiness. I guess. Uh, okay. What are you doing? Looking online? So, no, someone sent me messages. I don't know how to stop it. Um... I don't know. You know we have this little uh, 20 questions little gizmo, and you and it asks you questions, and you yeah, say yes right. or no? Uh-huh. Have you seen that? That thing's smart, huh? It's better doing better than you. <laughs> Are you playing it right now? No, no. I wonder if that little gizmo could get this question right. Okay, so it Moses is, didn't break I've it. Seen, I've, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what else, what else to ask. Um, ask if uh, it's in the New Testament. Okay, is it in the New Testament? No. <laughs> you, you weasel. <laughs> um, would this um, have been involved with a tabernacle at all? Yes. Hey, you're on to something there. Okay, well, maybe you did go with the second set. Okay, I, I, was, I was obviously thinking of the Ten Commandment tablets. Which right. Moses broke the first set, and then he got another. And so I will just ask, is it the, the second set of the Ten Commandment tablets? No. Oh. Although okay, the, so it is related to said tablet. It's related to said tablet. Okay, so would this be the Ark of the Covenant? Oh, man, you got it. Ten okay. questions. The Ark Oof. of the Covenant. Okay, which, which of course... Um, uh, Housed, would you say? Um, the, that's the tablets. Yeah, there's three, and then four things in there. There's the the Ten Commandments, which Moses. You remember, the first one was written by God, the second by Moses. So those those are in there. Then there's a pot with some manna in there, and then Aaron's rod, which budded with almonds, and then later they put the what did they put in there? The, um, the bronze serpent got put in there. But then it got, uh, because they, there was some idolatry connected with that, it was taken out and destroyed. But the Ark of the Covenant then sat in the Holy of Holies in the middle of the temple, and it was covered in gold. And on the top of it was this what was called the mercy seat, which is where they would pour the blood of the atonement. And then the two cherubs stood on either end. Of, and this is now the throne of the holiness of God dwelling in the midst of his people and, and teaches that we have access to you know the most wonderful teaching the Ark of the covenant is you on the day of atonement how much time do we have for this uh show before it's over uh about a minute and a half oh people out there are counting their blessings almost (laughs) you're almost there 
But this marvelous, te- <laughs> the marvelous <laughs> teaching with the Ark of the Covenant is that you'd have the bl- the blood of the atoning bull, and it would be brought in, and it would be poured over this mercy seat, so that now the blood stands between uh, the the law and the people, and that's exactly what we have in the death of Jesus. I mean, His blood uh, speaks; it, it it covers our sinfulness, and it and protects us from the wrath of God so that now we have access to his glory. So so remember when Jesus died, this curtain that, that protected the, the Holy of Holies, this is torn open top to bottom, so now we have access to this, uh, uh, to the holy place of God through the flesh and blood and death of our Lord Jesus. That's right. Well, that's, is that it? You, you got a few seconds left? You want... <laughs> That's I'm it. just kidding. Okay, Congra- biz- <laughs> congratulations on uh, on getting this right. You got it in ten questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for that, ten thousand points. Really? Sure. Because you only get two hundred for getting it in your nine questions. <laughs> well, then you win. That. Look at this. <laughs> ten thousand four hundred to to four hundred or something. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Really, thank you. Uh, for making it through, uh, visit our website tabletop. You can also send us. I think I have ADD. I, just, I didn't even finish my sentence. Listen oh. or visit our website tabletalkradio.org. dot org. Visit. Um, I cannot talk. Put stuff in the forum, and then you'll yeah, be forum. On I was going to say email. You can email us questions at tabletalkradio.org dot org, and we'll read those on the air and answer them as soon as possible. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.